Um, we're going to get started with the reading of the word. If this is your first time here, this is the read and rant where we spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading through scripture. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on scripture. I call it a rant because I have nothing prepared. If you're here for the first time, this is brand new for you. We got no notes. We're just, we're just reading and we're prayerfully asking three questions. We're asking God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? And as I ask this, I want you guys to do this as well. I want to encourage you as you spend time reading in God's word, and we have been reading from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and now we're going back again from uh, from Matthew, and we're in the book of John right now. Today, we're going to be reading John 17, and as we read John 17, I don't know, we'll probably read two chapters today. We'll read these two chapters, and then on Wednesday, we're going to finish it up. Wow, we're going to finish up John, y'all, um, on Wednesday, so... Uh, very cool stuff, cool stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, um, as we read this text, I want us to posture ourselves to hear from God. And what you're doing is you have an opportunity to eavesdrop into um, how I journey prayerfully through scripture. There are times where I just read through the entire text, read through large portions of the text and just ask God, what are you, what are you saying today? What are you revealing to us today? And so the three questions that we ask as we posture ourselves to hear from God is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? That's right. What are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? That's right. We want the Lord to expose something in us. We want the Lord to speak to us and speak to our hearts and for us to be transformed in our time in the word. Like something should change in us every time we have a moment with God. Every time we spend, uh, every moment that we spend in his word, something should transform. Something should change. We shouldn't just be informed and our intellectual facilities shouldn't just be tantalized, but something at our heart should be pulled and, and something should lean and guide us toward who God is. And so let something change in you today as we spend time in his word. I know, Miri, you're a coffee person, but today I'm drinking tea. See it right there. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking green tea today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Take a little sip right quick. Ooh, it's hot. And then we're going to get right in. And we're just going to ask the Lord to speak to us today. Father, speak to us. Lord, reveal your truth to us. Lord, as we read your word, Father, we pray, Lord, that we would get revelation of who you are. Lord, we're reading through the Gospels right now. And Lord, we're on the last gospel. And as we read it, Father, I just pray that you would, um, Lord, draw us towards you. Lord, lead us, Lord, to the path of righteousness. Lord, guide us, change something in us that needs to be changed. Or reveal something in us that needs to be revealed. Or correct something in us that needs to be corrected. Inspire us, Lord, where we need inspiration. Give us hope and peace where it's needed. Father, meet us right where we need you today as we spend time in your word. 
And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to encourage you guys to go ahead, go to John chapter 17. And I would love to have you read along with us as we spend time in his word. Chapter 17, it says this. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you, as, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you, many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hmm. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which, had, which I had with you before the world was. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word now that they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, son, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you father are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory, which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, be with me where I am, 
that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over, brook, over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom, you, whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Jews who betray him also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them, saying, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servants and cut it and servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheaf. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who devised, who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. How prophetic. And Simon Peter followed Jesus and did another, and so did another disciple. So the disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, are you also not, sorry, are you not also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers who had made the fire coal stood there, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered them, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me that they, sorry, those who have heard me, what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And Jesus, when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? The Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore he said to him, 
you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus to Caiaphas, sorry, from Caiaphas to the to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore answered him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried out, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. We're going to stop right here. And I just want to spend a few moments in meditation. I'm almost thinking we might just stretch it out for this week and just, just kind of chew on these last few chapters as we read these final days of Jesus. These are, these are the final moments of Jesus Christ, of his life on earth. Jesus has up to this point performed miracles. He's taught in the synagogues. There's a strong following. He has disciples. He has a ministry. He's impacted thousands of people by this point. But as we said many times, Jesus was a threat to the establishment. And because he was a threat to the establishment, the establishment, given the powers that have bestowed, been bestowed upon them, have taken it upon themselves to decide what to do regarding Jesus. It's funny how the establishment, of course, is two parts. The first part of the establishment are the religious, the religious elite, the religious establishment, the church, church. 
And then you have uh, the political establishment, the state, the Roman Empire. To understand the dynamic here, and I've mentioned it before, but I'll just mention it really quickly. To understand the dynamic here, the Roman Empire used their political brilliance and their political sharpness to partner with Israel, the leaders in Israel, to maintain peace in Israel. Israel was a, a, a turbulent place. Israel was known for its uprisings. Israel was known for its zealots. Israel was known for <clears throat> causing um, uproars, causing political strife. Israel was a pain in the Roman butt. And so what the Romans figured is, well, if we can keep the guys on the inside taken care of, and we make a deal with the guys on the inside to keep the peace, as long as they keep the peace and they keep the people under control, we'll make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're, you know, you know, they got it. And in return, they'll make sure that we keep this whole thing under control. And so the religious elite, the Caiaphases, the Annas, Annases of uh, the world, of Israel, in Israel's time at least, they were both religious leaders and political leaders. They had their own agendas. It's funny how religion often does coincide with institutions and governments. Religion, by, by its very nature, is institutional. So it's very easy when you've established a quote-unquote religion that the institutions come and end up partnering with the religion to propagate whatever political agenda the institution has. And that's what happens when you have religion. In the United States, religion has turned Christianity into a political machine, a political arm. Christianity has been diluted often. Um, and we will see this in history. Happens often. Even in the early uh, um, years in, in church history, maybe a couple centuries afterwards, even the establishment of the Roman Catholic Church, it came as a consequence of the institutionalization of uh, Emperor uh, Constantine, who out of political expedience, expediency decided, I'm gonna adopt this Christian religion because it became a movement around his time. So rather than fighting it, he institutionalized it and made it what, you know, what we know it is today or what we see today that is the Holy Roman Catholic Church. I'm not gonna get into all that history. If you want to go to our Patreon, we had a, a good conversation about that. Maybe once, maybe at some point we'll come back to it again. It's not what we're here to do. I'm here to just make this point: is that Jesus, when he comes in, he presents a whole different way of thinking, a whole different way of living, a whole different way of seeing things. Jesus is not here to pander 
to sociocultural, sociopolitical agendas. He's not here to establish alliances with the kingdoms or the institutions, but rather he's here to establish a whole new thing. This kingdom that he speaks about has all the other kingdoms on their toes. They're all like, wait a minute, what is this kingdom thing? What is this all about? And Jesus, of course, responds to Pilate and says, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm saying all that and I'm bringing all this up because what Jesus is doing is Jesus is putting everybody in a position to make a decision. What John shows us, and I hope you're starting to see this even as you're reading through the other Gospels, you don't get to be on the fence with Jesus. Like You, you don't get to just kind of just say, all right, you know, he's, he, was, he was a good guy and, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he had a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight. Like Jesus, if you read the Gospels for what they are, for what, and if you believe what John is chronicling here, or if you believe what Matthew, what Mark, what Luke is chronicling, if you, if you read it, you can't be on the fence with Jesus. You're either on one side or you're not. He's either the victor or he's either the villain. He's not somebody where you can kind of say, well, you know, I mean, I guess. No, no, no. You're either for all the way in or you're all the way out. And this is this is who Jesus was. Jesus was um, divisive in that way. People couldn't have an encounter with Jesus and just kind of go, well, you know, I mean, okay. You were either following him or you were walking away. You didn't get to just be on the fence. You were either in or you were out. Jesus has a way of demanding that of us. We don't get to just kind of just, okay, maybe, I guess. We don't get to do that with Jesus. And yet for the ones who say, yeah, I'm in with Jesus. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today. I'm, I'm getting right to it. For the ones who say, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in with Jesus. Yeah, 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 I'm all the way in. For the ones who say they're all the way in. For the ones who say, yeah, I'm sold out for Jesus. For the ones who say, yeah, he's king over my life. He's Lord over my life. I read this text. And I read the Lord's Prayer because this is the one place where Jesus publicly prays. And he's praying for himself. He opens up praying for his disciples. And then he opens up praying for all the believers. And in this prayer, notice what Jesus is asking for. This is the Jesus who first says, you need to make up your mind with where you're at. But if this is where you're at, like if you're saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, this was his final prayer for you. Listen to me, fam. This is so important. This is so critical. Do not miss it. Because if you do, my God, you're going, the ramifications 
consequences. What is Jesus praying for? If Jesus is going to go, just think about that for a second. Like if Jesus is going to go, yes. If Jesus is out and he's praying his last words, he's saying his last words, you best believe that these final words that he's saying and these last words are important. People tend to say the things that are most important in their last hours. The final words that someone says are the most important. Jesus knows he's about to go. We know that because Jesus, we read it. We saw what Jesus was saying in chapter 15 and chapter 16. We saw what Jesus was saying and we know that Jesus is like, yo, I'm about to go. And so if Jesus is about to go and now Jesus is about to pray, you best believe this prayer got a lot of weight on it. Jesus opens up and prays for himself, affirming himself as, as God, one with the Father. He's distinct from the Father, but he is also one with the Father. And now as he's praying, he then begins to pray for his disciples. Yes, the ones who are close to him. And he says to them, sanctify them in your truth for your word is truth. But then he prays for all believers. So the prayer that he prays for himself, that's for him to proclaim as he's praying, to model and to teach and to instruct his disciples and the rest of the world as this is being recorded, who he is. But then he prays for the ones who he's been doing life with, his disciples, the ones who he's close to, the ones who he's journeyed with. And then he prays for all the believers. That's you and I. The ones who didn't walk with him on this planet. Ah, but the ones who have given their lives to him and have professed their faith in him. What does Jesus pray for? He didn't say, I pray that they would be bold and strong. He didn't say, I pray that they would, you know, man, I pray that they would preach like crazy. He didn't say, I pray that they would have the Bible memorized. He didn't say, I pray that, you know, that their denominations would explode. I pray that their church would be the best church in town. He didn't say, I pray that, man, they would, man, they would just stand out and they would, you know, they would convict the world with the message of the gospel. He wanted all that. But what is he saying right here? Just think about this. Like, what was Jesus's ministerial, evangelistic, apostolic priority? What was it? I pray that they preach good doctrine. I pray. Not to say any of that is, it's all important. But what is Jesus's priority? He said, I pray that they may be one, just as you and I are one. Hmm. He said, I pray that they would be one with one another as they are one with me. I pray that they may be one. Unity. That was Jesus' prayer. Just think about that for a second. Like what Jesus was praying for in his last days before he goes, he was praying 
that we would not be divided. The ones who he has chosen in himself, the ones who have said, we're going to follow him, the ones who've chosen this side of the fence with Jesus. He said, I pray that they may be one. And then he says this, right? If you read the text, and this is this is so, like, this is so important. And I think we we gloss over it. We gloss over this prayer when this is this is the true Lord's prayer. Like Jesus is actually praying here. And in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us. Because you cannot be one in Christ and not be one with Christ's brother. Like you can't be one with Jesus and not be one with another follower of Jesus. You can't say, I mean, I'm all in with Jesus, but I ain't all in with all these church folk. I'm all in with Jesus, but I ain't all in with this other person who professes their faith in Jesus. He says, no, 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 I pray that they may be one. Unity. I can't be one in Jesus and not be one with you, brother. I cannot be one with Jesus and not be one with you, sister. We are one with Christ, sons and daughters in unity with one another, all part of the body of Christ. And look what he says in verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know. And this is the part I'm going to stay. I'm going to stop right there. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you Sorry, and I've loved them as you have loved me. Family, listen to me. People aren't going to come to Jesus because you got the best doctrine. People ain't coming to Jesus because your church preaches full Bible and full gospel. People aren't coming to Jesus because you got all this this word in you and you can dissect and exegete and expostulate scripture. People are coming to Jesus because of love. I'm not here to diminish doctrine. I'm not here to diminish the, the teaching of the word. I'm not here to diminish any of that. But fam, what happened to us? We have idolized our doctrines. Notice I didn't say idolize the Bible. We've idolized our doctrine so much so that we will allow three or four verses in the Bible to divide us. We got denominations forming off of a disagreement on a, on a portion of scripture, y'all. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, they will know me not by how well they interpreted this one text and how well they argued over this text and that text or over this doctrinal distinctive or that doctrinal distinctive. He said, they will know me by their oneness, by their unity. It's when all these different people with different backgrounds and different histories and different stories come together, then they will know. It's not because I'm aligned with somebody who I agree with. 
actually the true testament of the gospel is when we say we are all sitting under the banner of Jesus Christ and I may not agree with everything you say and everything you do. I may not agree with your doctrine. I may not agree with um, some of your, your doctrinal principles and, and your distinctives. And, and maybe there's a creed here, a creed there that I don't fully agree with. But I'm not going to allow my disagreement on these minor things to separate me from you. We've allowed the enemy to use our intellectual facilities and interpretations of scripture to separate us. When it's the spirit of God that joins us together, not creeds. It is the spirit of God that makes us one. We who are being built, this living house, this church of God, we are built together, not by what we know, but by who we know. And the true testament of the gospel, people will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, not because you're around a bunch of folks who agree on the same thing. They will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ when you love one another. They will know it is our unity that will attract the world. Our unity is what's going to bring us together. It's our unity that's going to bring others and it's going to attract others. It's us coming together saying we're going to get past our differences and know that the thing that brings us together is so much stronger than the thing that divides us. Church, we are failing in that. We got denominations for no reason. And I'm not against denominations. I'm not against movements. I'm not against church movements. I'm not against any of that. What I got a problem with, though, is I got a problem with you thinking your denomination is better than another. Oh, we, we, we teach the true gospel. They over there, I don't know what kind of funny stuff they doing over there. That church over there, do you know what they be preaching about? That church over there, you should hear their doctrine on X, Y, and Z. And everybody's looking at it, and people on the outside don't even know what to join because they don't see unity in Christ. What they see is a bunch of people divided in their doctrines and their ideologies. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, that the world may know that you have sent me. The worry the world will know that Jesus was sent by the Father is by the unity of the believers. <laughs> Fam, today, if there's anything that I'm convicted of, is I can hold fast to my doctrinal distinctive. I can hold fast to the things that I believe. I know what I read in the text, and I know the convictions I have concerning what I read in this text. But the one thing I will not let it do is separate me from a brother or a sister in Christ. And some of us, it's our pride that keeps us on one side of the line when Jesus just drew a line with those who chose him and those who did not. You had to make up your mind. Pilate had made up his mind. The Pharisees made up their minds. The Sadducees made up their minds. Caiaphas had made up his mind. But for the ones that are on this side, your mind was made up not on what you know. Your mind was made up on who you know. And today, family, I have to ask this question. 
have we so pridefully distanced ourselves from other believers in Jesus Christ because we felt that what we know was better than what they know? Have we distanced ourselves in, in, in a way, pridefully, separating ourselves from others because we'd rather form our own little creeds and cliques and our own little clans, forming our own little kingdoms. Because somehow our pride makes us believe that what we know is what's going to get us in heaven, not who we know. When the scriptures were very clear that salvation is to know God. Today, very shortly, I'll just say this. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Stop thinking that there's just all this other doctrine you need to know before you can come to faith in Jesus. Or there's all this Bible you need to know. No, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit saves. So fam, today it's about submission to him. The more you know Jesus, the more your heart melts for his people. The more you know Jesus, the more your heart inclines you towards his people. The more you know Jesus, the more you begin to join with those who you even disagree with. The more you know Jesus, the more you have a conviction to find alignment in the heart of Christ and in the Holy Spirit, regardless of who I am, where I'm from, my ethnicity, my race, all that. We come together to form a beautiful tapestry of people. The church was never meant to be divided. We were called to be united. So today, family, let's be united by the one thing that brings us together, and that's Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And let the power of our unity in Christ be greater than any any divisive doctrinal position and let it not be race or let it not be ethnicity. Let it not be background. Let it not be culture. Let it not be where I'm from. Let it not be denominations. Let it not be, let us be one in him in one in one another. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. As we come before you today, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would convict us of this, O Lord. Convict us of this, that you have called us to be one in you. Father, I love even now, Lord, as we go through the chat, there are people from different places, different backgrounds, different stories from different churches, different contexts, different doctrinal positions. And I know even folks who are in here, not everybody agrees with one another, but how powerful is it that while we have disagreed with one another, we still love one another, are joined together in this beautiful thing called life in you. You are the life and the light of all men. So Father, we pray that you would give us light, illuminate us to your grace. We bless you today, Lord. And we thank you for all that you're doing, even now in this season, Lord, as we find a world so divided, as we find a church that is so divided, Father, let us 
but be united in you. One in you. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, thank you so much for coming through. Love y'all, fam. If this is your first time here, I would encourage you to join our Discord community. It's discord.gg slash opusfred, discord.gg slash opusfred. Sierra, if you can post that, I encourage you to post it right there. Post the link. Join our Discord community. That's how you stay connected all throughout the day, throughout the week. We got people there all day. We, I mean, it's just an amazing place to go and to connect with folks. Um, we have prayer on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So tomorrow we have prayer. Um, and so we'll be back here on YouTube for prayer. So I want to encourage you to join us for that. But all the links will be posted there and all the alerts will also be posted on Patreon. If also the Lord puts in your heart to support us, we need your help. And we are so grateful for those of you who are here. If it wasn't for our patrons, we wouldn't be here right now being able to do all of this. We might have been doing something different, but our patrons are the ones who have uh, really supported us and made all of this possible. So I'm grateful for all of you. And so if the Lord puts in your heart to support us, I want to encourage you to go to patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And then lastly, subscribe to the Read and Rant podcast. Subscribe to this YouTube channel as well and subscribe to the Read and Rant podcast. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. We'll be praying. So join us for prayer. Um, and also tomorrow, even though we'll be on YouTube, I want to encourage you to post your prayer request on Discord, okay? Post your prayer request there. So that way, during prayer, we'll have folks who will be praying for you. Our entire community comes together and pray. So it's more than just Pastor Isaac praying. It's our entire community coming together to pray. So I love y'all, fam. I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. And we'll keep this going. All right, fam? God bless you guys. Peace out.